Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. Happy fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, Today we see the relationship of Mary and Elizabeth found in Luke 1 and their desire and the willingness to draw the other in. Check out the sermon here. Good morning. My name's Kathy. Today we continue our Advent series from generation to generation by turning to Luke uh, chapter 1, 39 to 45, and 56 to 58. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard about that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Holy words for God's people. Well, it is so good to be with you this morning. Um, Many of you know, or some of you know, that uh, my wife and I, we like the theater. Uh, We really love theater. So yesterday we were at a movie theater watching Avatar, and let me tell you what happens real fast. Uh, Just kidding. Um, this week, we, we got a chance to host here in our church uh, four nights of a live theater, the best Christmas pageant ever. There were many who were part of that show, uh, and we expanded to beyond our walls and into our community. Um, and it was an amazing opportunity to, to see uh, live performance um, and, and to be in that space. And, and I got to tell you, last night was a closing night. Um, and uh, afterwards, you know, we did the whole applause, gave out flowers, celebrated, pictures. And then there was, a, it was supposed to be a short after party in the, in the fellowship hall. And, um, you know, <laughs> church is the next day, kind of got to get home and prepare, want to clean up a little bit. You know, my, my hope was, you know, come in, get a cookie, get hot cocoa, get out, right? Like I was trying to get them out of here. It was almost 9 o'clock, y'all, where the kids and, and cast folks were uh, still together. They were sharing, passing out uh, phone numbers and emails and, and wanting to connect. And I took a step back and just realized the beauty of that moment, right? That, that, that kids, and, and sorry, not just kids, because we had adult cast members too, but the whole cast was able to, from different backgrounds, different experiences, different levels of acting, right? Different gender identities and racial ethnicities were able to be together and create something beautiful, right? Create community together. It was a really beautiful moment. And it was reminding me of why we do this church thing, right? We do it so that we can continue to create something beautiful, 
that when we come together, whether it's throughout the week for shows or small group or times that we hang out at a pint night at the bar, whatever it is, when we come together in community, uh, we are in that creating of something beautiful. And even now, on Sunday mornings, when we come together online and here on site, we want to name that you are welcome, that you belong, uh, that you're important, that you're necessary to be part of this building of something beautiful. And we especially want to name that there are some places in our world and our society where that's not true, where people are kept out. And especially if that has been your experience, uh, we want you to know that for this little while together, you are welcome and that you belong. Uh, that means that if you're gay or lesbian or transgender or bisexual or questioning, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you're black or brown or indigenous or if you've been discriminated against because of the color of your skin, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you find yourself homeless or houseless or in the lower economic brackets of our community, if you are single or divorced or partnered or separated, know that you are welcome, know that you belong with all of your unique gifts and abilities created to be bearers of Christ's image to all the world. Know that you are welcome. Know that you belong. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Oh God, be present here and in all the places from which we are worshiping. Move in us and through us that we too would be moved and changed. Speak to us, we pray. Less of me, more of you. None of me, all of you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, I remember I was serving in New York. I was at the United Nations office of the General Board of Church and Society, the social justice branch of our United Methodist Church. And we were at a reception one evening. Uh, we were welcoming members of civil society and non-governmental organizations from around the world to that space in New York uh, for about two weeks of, of conferencing. We were meeting around the theme, eradicating poverty. And I was standing there with uh, one of my friends and colleagues from uh, Cote d'Ivoire. Uh, she was a pastor, United Methodist pastor, and, and they were living through another civil war. So I wanted to check in. Hey, how are you? How are things? How's your family? Uh, how's the church? And, and she, said, she said, it's just so sad. She said, it's so sad. We are killing each other for, for what? For, for power? For money? What about life? And then she said this. She said, uh, instead of sending soldiers to resolve this conflict, they should have sent the mothers of those soldiers. While soldiers are trained to kill, it's in the nature of mothers to give life, to, to, to nurture, to care for the community. And, and so I, I've been thinking about these two mothers from our text this morning, Elizabeth and Mary. And we spent some time with Mary last week. We know that she was a young peasant girl from the small working town of Nazareth, a town with little to no significance to the world at large. Uh, she's engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a, a local carpenter. Uh, they're engaged but not married. And then she's visited by the messenger, the, the angel Gabriel, who, who greets her and who tells her, do not be afraid, the Lord is with you. And, and the messenger goes on to say that she will conceive a son through the Holy Spirit, a son who will be called the Most High, who will reign over the house of Jacob forever, the, the ruler of a kingdom with no end. And he tells her that she will give birth to the Son of God, so do not be afraid. 
And yet I wonder if perhaps there was indeed fear, right? Fear of the unknown, fear of this sudden news, fear of this experience with the holy or the supernatural, fear because of how the announcement of her pregnancy would be received by the community, right? perhaps not with joy and not with celebration or, or the possibilities of new life, but instead with scandal, with shame, and with disappointment that, that she, a young virgin girl, would be pregnant before marriage. And so she goes to Elizabeth. And as we navigate uh, Luke chapter 1, we see that Elizabeth to this point has been nothing more than a small minor character in the story of Christ's birth. Right? She's of old, barren age. And note something here. In the time in that first century Palestine, a, a woman's worth was dependent on her ability to have children, specifically sons. And in turn, her worth was tied to the measure of the son's status in society. And even more than that, having children was a sign of God's blessing. And the inverse was also true. Not having sign, uh, children was a sign of God's distance or harsher yet God's curse. Now, we've evolved a lot since then. Our, our theology and the way that we understand the world and God at work in our lives is not that. Okay? So I want us to be very clear that what we're saying is that this is not how we perceive, but this is the context of the story then. Are we clear on that? It's really important. Okay? So into her old age, Elizabeth, like many of her ancestors in Scripture before her, she was the subject of shame. She was looked down upon for her barrenness. And, and she carried with her this burden of navigating the cruelties of those societal standards, those, those unachievable, um, un, uh, unreasonable standards. But she was navigating the cruelties of that. We also know that Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron, the priest, and she was married to a different priest, Zechariah. And Zechariah happens to be serving in the temple when the angel of the Lord appears to him and tells him that despite Elizabeth's age, that she will bear him a son, and they will name him John, who we know grows up to be John the Baptist. And then we get to all that the text tells us about Elizabeth after that. It's in verse 24. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. And this is important because the next movement of the story happens in verse 26, which we read last week, and verse 26 starts in the sixth month. So the time that shifted from five months of seclusion into six months, right when the angel Gabriel was about to encounter Mary, delivering to her the news that will not only shake up her world, but will change the course of history for the whole world, right when Gabriel is about to deliver this message to Mary, these four words link their stories together in the sixth month. See, Mary's story is in the middle of Elizabeth's story. After five months of seclusion, Elizabeth is visited by Mary when Mary is told of her own news and she travels with haste to Elizabeth. 
Elizabeth, another woman who has experienced shame because of the womb, another soon-to-be mother who knows what she's going through, someone to walk with her, someone to support her, to care for her, someone to remind her that she is not alone. Verse 39, in those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Greeted Elizabeth. I've been thinking about this phrase, greeted. And maybe you've experienced this too, but I've been thinking about this word, greeted, because I've had some really awkward encounters lately. Um, <laughs> with people I'm meeting for the first time, it, it's, it's a little less awkward, I think. I say, hey, my name is Joe. I, I put out my hand to shake or I give a, a hand up here for a high five or a fist bump, and, and, and hopefully they return the greeting. Pretty straightforward. Although I, I do need to share this. I just learned recently that uh, apparently you can make a turkey with your hands. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, when, yep, it's when one person puts out the hand for a high five and the other person gives a fist pump, and you got a little turkey hanging out, so uh, that's awkward. Don't do that. Um, but, but then there are people who I saw pre-pandemic, right? People who I'd known, right? My friends before, and we're re-engaging. We're relearning how to engage, in fact. We say, hey, it's so good to see you, and then you're kind of like, do we hug? Do we, do we side hug? Do we, I mean, what, what do we do here? Right, how physical? Absolutely. How physical can you get with somebody? Are you, how close can you get? What's the, did I hand sanitize beforehand? All of that, right? Mary didn't experience this. She enters the house of Zechariah after traveling with haste for somewhere around 100 miles, scholars think, most likely on her own. She crosses borders. She's tired. She's sweaty. She's dirty. She enters the house of Elizabeth to greet her, to, to, to embrace her, to draw her in. Two women who are carrying new life. Two women whose, whose very beings embody God's infinite possibilities. Two women who are no longer minor characters, but central, imperative to the unfolding story of God's promise and presence in the world. Two women drawing the other into themselves. And it's only in this moment of being drawn in. It's only in this moment of having drawn the other in when they experience the hope that will come. They, they accept and acknowledge that the sons that they will birth will bring to the world hope and joy and peace and love. Elizabeth, she hears this greeting. She feels this greeting. She experiences the fullness of this greeting, and she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's only then where she exclaims with the loud cry with joy. Other, other, other texts, other versions, they say she blurted out, right? Or, or she sang out, or, or she declared exuberantly. 
This phrase, to, to exclaim with a loud cry in Greek, it, it literally means to, to shout as if you're using a megaphone. She's so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit that she can't help but sing, blessed, blessed, blessed. And then we know Mary who, who sings her own song. A song of her own, we, we know it to be the Magnificat, the this, this song that, that calls for, for revolution, that, that, that declares of God's promise of love and justice. What can happen when we are together? What can happen when we greet one another, when we draw the other in? I think we're still learning that. Right? Our kids are still learning that. They're learning to engage and re-engage with one another, to, to play with kids who are not related to them, to, to learn in community. Uh, grown-ups, we're, we're learning how to do that too, to be in a working environment together, to, to share space, to, to share time. And I mean, do you remember how, how mean and how rude society was? Right, how impatient we were to wait staff at restaurants or, or how frustrated we were at cashiers or just how poorly we treated each other? What can happen when we draw the other into ourselves? A couple weeks ago, I, I, I got a call from a number that I didn't know. It was, it was someone who had just moved into our community. Uh, and, and this person had come to our church two or three times, uh, not regularly, just on and off. And he, he told me that I could share this story with you. It, it, he called me, and, he said, and I picked up. I said, hello, uh, this is Joe. And he said, hi, pastor. You may or may not remember me. You may or may not know me, but I'm blank. He said, I'm calling because I didn't know who else to call. He went on to tell me about his uh, current family situation, how he was feeling the weight of this season after having lost his mom recently. He shared some of the financial struggles that they were going to, through. And then he said this, he said, I feel sadness and shame. And then he said, I know you have a lot going on this season, but I could really use a friend. Uh, to be clear, he wasn't asking for me to be his friend. <laughs> because the story turns out well. Um, I got a call a few days later uh, thanking me for the introduction that uh, we did with this person and another and that they were gonna go get coffee soon. Uh, and I trust that it's going well. What can happen when we draw the other into ourselves? Here's the last thing I'll say about our text. It's in verse 56 and 57. It says, and Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Now the time for Elizabeth came to give birth, and she bore a son. Did you catch that Mary was not there for the birth? Do the math with me. A woman's pregnancy is considered full term at around 39 weeks. Birth generally happens at around 40 weeks or just over nine months, if without complications. And again, I want to name that every birth is beautiful and unique. Every birth is its own story, and we celebrate all that. But for the sake of this conversation, work with me here. Forty weeks, about nine months. Scripture tells us for five months, Elizabeth remained in seclusion. 
In the sixth month, Mary travels to Elizabeth's house. So for months, and then for three months, she stayed there. So for the rest of month six, and month seven, and month eight, then she returns home. So somewhere in around that ninth month, weeks or days before Elizabeth gives birth, weeks or days before the moment that will redeem her own worth based on these unreasonable standards, but how she will be redeemed in the world, in days or weeks before that's to happen, Mary goes home. Some might say that she missed the moment. I wonder if these mothers would respond, the moment's never over. I think that they knew that these pregnancies, that, that the births of their sons, that the lives of their sons, the, these were all a continuation of God's ongoing story, the, the fulfilling of that ongoing story. I, I think that they knew that God's work in the world was not over, was not finished, that it will not be finished until we experience the full embodiment of hope and joy and peace and love. And that's why God's story is still ongoing today. It's because it's not finished. It's because there's brokenness. It's because we continue to hurt each other. It's because... I hope that we can do our part in drawing each other in. I, I really believe that God is inviting us in this moment to, to break down the walls that keep us apart, to, to be willing to be vulnerable with one another, to allow the other person in, to, to be not afraid, and to share in that ongoing experience that continues forth even now, to, to, to partner alongside what God is already doing so that we too can participate in a holy life-transforming work, especially in this Advent season. Because while we wait, we don't wait idly. Drawing someone in takes an action. It takes an intentionality to go up to another person. It takes an intentionality to be intimate with that person. It takes an intentionality to wrap your arms around that person. And it takes an intentionality to draw them in. How might you draw someone in this week? How might you draw someone in this season? How, how might we take on the posture of drawing people in? And maybe if we can learn to do that and do it well, perhaps we too might experience those ongoing moments of joy those ongoing moments of hope, perhaps we might continue to further along God's story of God fulfilling God's promise to the world. I think that's why we're called. That's why we do what we do. It's that act of drawing people in when society tells us to keep people out. Let's be that people. 
Let's be the ones that draw people in, that ask those questions, that cares about the other, that involves and includes and shares with one another. Let's, let's be that people, yeah? Let's be that people, yeah? And I hope and I pray that this Advent season, as we draw closer to Christmas, just a few days away, would be one in which you experience the fulfillment of hope and joy, peace and love for you, but that together our world might experience that too. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for this time together, for the gift it is to be in community, to to worship together online and on site. Thank you for the reminder of your faithfulness and for the reminder to look for those moments of joy, those moments of hope, those moments that force us to exclaim and sing out loud. Might we not keep that to ourselves, but might we be in the intentional actions of drawing each other in, that through us and through your work, our world might experience the fulfilling of your story. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was our fourth Sunday of Advent Sermon from generation to generation, looking to the relationship between Mary and Elizabeth. I hope and pray that this week be a holy one for you as we draw closer to Christmas here at Bothell. We will be having a longest night service on Wednesday, December 21 at 7 p.m. and three services on Christmas Eve, five, our contemporary service, seven, our traditional service, and 11, our contemplative service. Join us online or on site and have a wonderful Christmas season. Talk to you soon.